Hello, I'm Chloe, and hello, Clinton, to this conversation. Hello, hello Christina. Hi. I invited you to, to the conversation because I'm sitting with a pain about um, how how we gonna bridge ourselves as a as a global collective into into next culture and what does it take to to step the next the next step on the bridge into into archaeaki um out of patriarchy into into archaeaki and i'm in a bridge house at the moment in um czech republic with a team of possibility coaches to hold a space where we are um, yeah, practicing and, and learning how is it to be in next culture and how, how, what does it take to do the healing, transformation, initiation and all the learnings also in, in daily life um, to do this. And my pain is about there are so many people out there which are still sleeping and they are so in the center they, they have their authority and their their center in the center of patriarchy and i have many questions what i want to explore with you what are the next steps like how how can it work and what does it take what does it really take to to take action and also for us as as edge workers how how we build the bridge so that it's possible that so many people will follow and and i heard this this concept of as soon as 10% of the population would would reach a certain point of awareness it will the the domino effect will start and and it's like, okay, first of all, how do we reach faster this point? And then second, what is happening then? Because there are so many people still sleeping then. So how, and people who wants to have leaders, they are still in the hierarchical structure. So their whole system is like, I want to follow. So what is space holding on the bridge? for such a huge collective this is my question and how can of course also how can i contribute to that so yeah this is so i want to pass the ball it's <laughs> 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 the first thing you don't get to do in a question like this <laughs> i have examples there's a woman in New Zealand called Anna Noren Buena. She moved to New Zealand, I think about five or six years ago. She did not speak English. She spoke Spanish, so that's her mother tongue, and German. She did not speak English. And in five years, out of a decent amount town in New Zealand has created a Gaia village out of a whole village in New Zealand. And like you say, it doesn't mean that everybody is using the distinction of tools of possibility management or is on, on any kind of path of evolution. But there's a serious amount of people who, when they meet at the supermarket, they go, Harbigar! And they, they recognize each other of being friends, of being, you know, fellow path walkers. And so you go on the street and you can have uh, a... a a deep listening space right there happening on the street, some kind of a short emotional healing process, or you go to a cafe and it, and it, people are holding space for a possibility cafe inside of an ordinary modern culture cafe. So within this town, people are cavitating new culture space in which archaearchy, like you call it next culture is already happening. And, you know, the number that you said 10%, what I heard from, I think it's Barbara Marx Hubbard came up with the number 16%. So I had, it was a slightly different number. But I wonder, I would guess that in this town called uh, Takaka in New Zealand, it's not 16% yet. And at the same time, people already recognize each other and they don't go around saying, oh, I'm using the tools of possibility management. The language is in their being. Like the possibilities are in their being. 
And so in terms of uh, you're asking for possibility for how this shift can happen at a bigger scale, this example just came to me as really a, a perfect example of taking the things to the next level. And it's very different to do a, a Gaia village s- such as basically um, ex- uh, moving a town's context into next culture, moving it along the bridge, then buying a land, you know, and building an eco village there. Those are very two different projects. And, and the eco village movement and network is really powerful in a way of cavitating space, you know, as another, as another uh, possibility. And, and it's, and it's so clear that, for example, in Ukraine, when the, the war started, people immediately moved into eco-villages because they had food, they had water, they, they knew how to handle crisis. They, they could, to some degree, hold space for feelings or anxiety or questions or research. Or, and, and the eco-villages in Ukraine just you know, blew, blew up in terms of people. And now I had this question of how do we, how do we sustainably, you know, welcome more and more people who are f- fleeing cities where they cannot live anymore because of whatever will happen in terms of modern culture collapsing. So I just wanted to bring these kind of examples that are already happening as a reality. Something that this is a real, a real conversation, a real conversation. Thank you, Chloe. <clears throat> I wanted. I want to share how what I'm mostly focused on is a field effect. And the field effect has to do, it's not so linear and not so countable. It isn't so, I can't see there's 3% whatever people in the population doing, doing whatever. It's more of a field effect. And it has to do with one of the factors is replacing myself, like making it when it became part of possibility management, my context, employees context, everybody, your context, to replace ourselves as a different level of talent than just simply in, you know, sharing the tools and processes and, and maps from possibility management. It's about replacing ourselves as part of the culture. And so I'm not sure if you've adopted that yet, if your team is or if your work has gotten to the point where what you're trying to do is teach people to replace themselves, train people to replace themselves, because and to train them to train other people to replace themselves. So it's like this, this organism that goes around creating people who can create people to build bridge houses. You get this double layer to create people who create people to build bridge houses. So create people to create people who build bridges, create people who create people who uh, have, who can hold space for emotional healing processes, et cetera, et cetera. And the, I've been getting some clarity about this also from a book I'm working on about this woman named Elsa Marika Koster from Tenerife Island. We interviewed here, I interviewed her for a month and the transcripts are finally getting edited down into a book. And we were, she and I were talking about how <clears throat> the thing is that <clears throat> the idea of massive amounts of change appears in, in, in our idea, the way that would happen is somebody with a big microphone or megaphone in front of thousands of people, everybody going, yeah, like, you know, and, and, you know, what can those people actually understand of what you're saying? What can those people actually hold? How much matrix do they have to actually hold the vision that you would be transferring in a space with thousands of people in a big microphone? So, the, the question is, who can really hear you? How can you speak to people where they are and and unleash potential from where people are in a field effect? How can the people that you're in the field with be doing this, you know, feeding the field? And so w- one way to understand this is that all the individual people that I've spoken with are out there somewhere or dead. and And... Some of them have tried to dig their way back to modern culture, but not very successfully. It's really difficult to do that. And so, so each person that's out there is a, a ripple 
Like, uh, you throw a stone in the water and it makes these ripples. And so these ripples go out. And so from everything you've done, everything everybody you know has done, everything we've done, all these ripples are going out like this. And so when the ripples go out, they, they're going up and down like this. And so when an up ripple, it's a down ripple, they add together and it goes to zero, right? Mm, you're cut it now, Clinton. I see this is a serious conversation. Can you hear me again? Yes. No. Yeah, you're back. Okay. So when an up ripple hits a down ripple, at the same time, they average out to zero. When an up ripple hits an up ripple, and that time it adds up to double. You take five or six of these up ripples hitting each other randomly at the same time, and you've got all of a sudden a mountain. And so the field is the effect of these edge workers who randomly are doing their work and meet each other. And it just, you know, the sleeping people, as you said, don't make, they're not making many ripples. They're just following the program. They're fitting into the brainwave patterns and the habit, habitual patterns, the language patterns and the behavior patterns, et cetera. They're just fitting in. So it's basically gray fog out there. But people who are, actually asking questions, taking actions, being fierce, trying experiments, making new decisions and causing things to new things to happen. Those people are making ripples and those ripples will will from time to time in a, in a chaotic fashion, chaotic fashion, which is chaos and order mixed together. It's the order of chaos. They will hit each other and they will add up to serious amounts of new possibility, new new culture next culture and so so then they will go away and they will this doesn't necessarily stay like that they will they'll, people will separate and so but what on the on the average what's happening in the field effect is probably a lot more astonishing than you might think and it doesn't mean slow down it means keep going as wildly as you can but think about how long ago was it that people could go to the grocery store and buy their vegetables. And all of a sudden now you can't do that anymore. You go to the grocery store and you have to buy, you buy neither kind of ordinary GMO, highly pesticized, manufactured industrial vegetables or organic vegetables. Okay, where did this whole field of organic vegetables come from? When you're non-GMO, how long ago was that? It's a huge amount of awareness that it takes for people to Go, gosh, you know, I'm not, I'm not buying this other shit. I'm buying organic vegetables at the market, at the town, you know, the farmer's market. And, and the other, this other example is, is like yoga. So, so how long ago, when did it start? You know, when, when yoga first started, people would say, what's yoga? Some new kind of Chinese food? You know, I remember in high school, when I was in high school, a kid brought yogurt to lunch. And I go, what is that slimy, gucky stuff? And it took me years before I would even try it. You know, my mother would, before she would buy it. You know, yogurt, you know, everybody eats, of course. You know, of course we eat yogurt. And kombucha, what's this stuff called? Kombucha and like all these, there's all these things that uh, are your clothes organic? You know, it looks like you're wearing organic clothes over there, Christina. Okay, yeah. well, Okay, how long have those been available? How long has it been available that people would distinguish between polyester and organic cotton? And so how, how many people are there? Well, it's a, it's a rapidly enough growing number that there's more and more markets. And this is so this is the material plane. We're talking the material plane, but it, it's a, it represents an increase of awareness to make the distinctions to prefer something over another. It's not just style. It's not just a style magazine selling us this stuff because it's more expensive or it's harder to get. And, and so, you know, how many Teflon pans do you eat out of? Christina, how many Teflon pans do you have there at the bridge house that you guys are using? Zero. Okay. How, how is that possible? 
because I sorted them out. <laughs> okay. There are some in the house, but we are not using them because we are just rented this place. <laughs> we are not throwing them away, but yeah. They, throw, just, they re just recycle them. So what I'm saying is there's a field effect going on and we can't, I don't, I try to celebrate as often as I can the victories of the field effect. And all I know is that more and more people are coming to possibility management, more, more and more people are coming to us and, and starting conversations with us like we've been in the eco-village movement for 30 years and something's missing. And we finally heard about possibility management as a personal experience. You know, we've had the personal experience. You guys have been to Global Eco-Village Network conferences. You've done workshops and talks. We've heard echoes from all the work you've done in other eco-villages. Could you, we've now decided, like there's a guy in Denmark who's decided to, to st start his, start the next thing after eco-villages. It's called Gaia Village. A Gaia Village puts our awareness that we are Gaia trying to become a more conscious at the center of the game world rather than mm, external permaculture, you know, gardens or compost toilets or any of those kind of organic vegetables, whatever. It's putting authentic adulthood initiatory processes at the center of the game world. It's a new kind of settlement. It's a new kind of human organism called a Gaia village. And so this has just started. And so all, we're, all I'm saying is we're in a tiny time slot and we're focused on what we're trying to do and we're surrounded by mobs of sleeping people that it is like it's like incomprehensible how that could possibly shift and yet at the same time from a little bit broader perspective it's easy to see significant things are changing hmm. okay. I, thank you i want to in terms of i i've had this question that you've had for a while Christina and and then this I've only is, had it for about 45 years, <laughs> 47 <laughs> years probably. And there's a couple of things that I, I want to throw in the in this part of conversation. And one is this question about the sleeping people and our ability to wake people up. And in my experience, when I discovered the edge of modern culture and I discovered a path, which first was the path of spirituality, it was Buddhism. That's really where my path of evolution started until I could distinguish between, you know, and, that, and that's another distinction between being able to choose a path of spirituality or choosing a path of evolution, you know, and that, that distinction is a really recent one, you know, the same as kombucha and yogurt and, and so on. And and, but I was fanatical. I was this person who was trying to convert my family, my friend, my boyfriend to this path. And it took me about six months to a year to realize I'm, I'm hitting my head against the wall. And it took me another few years to discover that this, what I call this step zero, that where you can, you find the edge of modern culture and you, you have this, this, undestructible experience of this is not what life is supposed to be like. There is something else possible than being an economic slave in a patriarchal capitalist empire. That step zero is impossible to predict. It's like, it actually, it's impossible to create for somebody else. Okay, well, but some when somebody has done step zero, they've woken up to something else is possible, they have enough um, gap in themselves, they have enough gap of themselves to step on this path of evolution and choose their next step of evolution. But before the gap, the step zero, it's all sleepiness. It's complete unconsciousness. Mm. And however, I don't find myself hopeless in that regard because the sort of similar to what Clinton was talking about is I also work with the morphogenetic field around Earth. And this the more distinction, the more clarity, the more new thought maps that I can uh, discover, that I can pull into the morphogenetic field, this field that's around Earth, um, through uh, the interviews like this, through articles, through trainings, through uh, podcasts, the more I can 
bring them, ground them into the field, it upgrades the entire ability of each human being, each human beings, even the sleeping zombie, to have access to this step zero. And so it's working at a different field than an individual. It's working at the at the at the globe, whatever, at the morphogenetic field, at the field level. And and something else that I, I want to throw in this part of conversation is, for example, what I notice in possibility management is there's a different, there's been an evolution in where people are on their path when they come and meet possibility management. And uh, and what I think possibility management has been about for a while, for a few years, maybe a decade, it's been to give back the agency to people, for people to reclaim their agency to choose which culture do they live in, to become a person of agency. And that comes through healing processes, initiation processes, practices, and being in this in space of a different culture, an archaeal culture. So often uh, training spaces will be a space of a different culture. People can experience that. And and then move as a personal individual journey, move into becoming a person of agency, which also leads to them de delivering their non-material value. But then it's, a, it's, it's this personal individual journey that yes, happens in a team. Yes, happens in a circle. Obviously it has to happen in a circle, but it's this individual journey of how can I become a person of agency? How can I become an adult person? How can I be more of a healed person so that I can actually have nourishing connection or I can deliver my work. And a recent shift that I, I've been sensing into this field of possibility managers, for example, is that there's this, people are hungry for, okay, I've, I'm to some degree, I have stabilized myself into adulthood. To some degree, I'm delivering my non-material value. I've quit my corporate job because I don't have time for my corporate job anymore. I'm getting enough resources, you know, from delivering my work. I have, a, I have teams, maybe I have a partner. To some degree, it's all working. And, and what's next? You know, what's next? I think what's next is to move as a, as a, as a force field, as a move as a team to make archaearchy thrive. And it's a very different purpose and objective than I want to become adult. I want to stabilize in be becoming an adult to how do I make archaearchy thrive in, in, you know, on planet earth. And so this is your question, but I think it, it has not been the focus of people in possibility management until more recently. Mm. And, and, it's, and, it, and it has taken the time for people to stabilize themselves into some kind of adulthood before that question became relevant. Relevant, yeah. Yeah, because this leads me also to the next question. Thank you. Well, there, to me, let me say one more thing about this question. Go ahead. You, you'll still remember the next question? Yes. You, okay, excellent. We're glad about that. The what I wanted to say is there's a whole nother domain, another and another domain of working with causing culture shift to the whole paradigm shift, or because because modern culture cannot be repaired. It's functioning perfectly well according to its own aims. There's nothing broken or wrong about modern culture. It is succeeding marvelously at, at monetizing nature, etc. So it's devouring the planet. And so it cannot, it's not about to be changed. There are people working full out to take it down and to whatever, sabotage, destroy, undermine, block uh, the systems in modern culture. We have a different work. And so our work is building out next culture so that people from, who are leaving modern culture have a new place to go to. And so there's a fabulous other kind of work that you can do with that. It has to do with creating critical connections between your team and other teams, your, or your game world and other game worlds. And so a critical connection is a connection over which value is exchanged. 
And so it doesn't mean money, but it means value, means something worthy, worthwhile, something that has value. And and so and Chloe and I have been establishing critical connections with other communities of practice. So possibility management is a community of practice. And so we have a context, we have bright principles, we have game worlds. It's a community of practice. So there's other communities of practice around the world. And we have been, I've been searching most of my life to find these other communities of practice and establishing a, a critical connection with them by exchanging value with them. So value can be connections, it can be possibilities, it can be clarity, it can be resources, all kinds of resources. So what happens is this, this connection between these two communities of practice, it's like a, an electrical wire and the value that goes back and forth between our two communities of practice is a charge. And so we're putting back and forth a charge. It's like electrical, electrical wire. When you put electrons through an, a copper wire, it builds a field. And so this particular field is a field for, that promotes the emergence of next culture. So the idea is then to create critical connections with communities of practice to, to increase this field of influence for the emergence of next culture of archaearchy. And so this is, and it works, you'll you'll have I, we have connections all different places on the earth. And so it's almost like there can be these triangles, like here's here, we introduce people, these guys are communities of practice, we're exchanging value, builds this whole network of creating this field through exchanging value from community of practice to community of practice. This is a fabulous way to work with causing the emergence of archaearchy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and still, like, I have the question of how um, is it, is it, like, it, it adds on to the critical connections is what about having more meta conversations about what is happening um, in between these community of practices and and to and to get more visible inside of the of the edge workers and 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 bring the clarity and say okay what, what is our next step but not in the planning one but in the being aware what um, what what to focus like oh, okay we have not enough trainers or we um of of Taurus technology, for example, or we don't have enough trainers for emotional healing processes, or it's like, what, what is the next um, necessary step to, all together so we can um, also focus in, I, and I, my, my assumption is that also this focus is, is supporting the emergency or emergence of, of this field. This is what I, I don't know if, if this is physically, if, if this is really happening then, but I, I would say, yeah, where we are focusing, where the focus goes, the energy goes. And so it's also pushing the edge towards something new. So, um, yeah, I have this question of inviting also in the, in the, in the game world of possibility management, but also beyond like more these meta conversations into like not only interviews and sh kind of giving distinctions, but then what, what is the next step on a collective level, like um, as edge workers, as people of a person of agencies or Can I ask you agents? a question? Let me ask, I would like to ask you a question. Yeah. The question is, can you do the work of somebody else? I'm, I'm getting the sense that you think it's possible to do the work of some of someone else to do. No. Okay. So the question might be useful then to, it sounds like you're speaking in a general form. It sounds like you're speaking as if you could cause somebody, people over there, you could force them or manipulate them to do so, to do something different. No, this would be all, I had I had some questions like how to 
how to open the spaces and um yeah and navigate a space so that it's not manipulative right it's like how 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 to open uh, the door when was the last time you tried this morning and you know what i mean is is what's your next experiment are you asking for what your next experiment is what door do you want to open what space do you want to create what it's so can you help me with this? Like, what is it that you're actually asking for? Because if you cannot do the work of others by forcing them to do it or forcing people to wake up or forcing people to change or become more aware or increase their consciousness or build matrix, if you cannot force people to do that, yeah. what can you do? Yeah, what, what, I, what I can do is open spaces where collaboration is possible and, and people are coming together and 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 seeing like having a conversation like we have now but on a but, on a wider on a bigger scale are you but so for me you know my question about that is are you empowering other people to unleash their potential like you are you replacing yourself are you are you giving the people the possibility to give other people the possibility of giving other people the possibility of this Instead of you just doing it, are you doing it in a meta-conversation way, like you said, to un unleash, you know, to liberate the next person, ability to liberate the next person? So it, it's, it's like a trainer training program, trainer training space. And it sounds like you know, you're doing that with, with possibility coaching. You're, you're bringing people in and empowering them to be training other people to be possibility coaches. It's what it seems like to me. Yes, this is yeah, yeah. I'm doing this, and and I think, yeah, maybe I'm I'm not bringing bringing oh what what. Um, well, so are, what if there were a hundred people mm -hmm. at your bridge house right now? A hundred. It would be fun. It would be fun to to have fun and crazy and challenging everything it would be a life would it make a difference i think so okay well it's one order of magnitude bigger than what you are now what if you had a thousand people you know, what if you had ten thousand people at right there right around you what would you do with them I don't know. You're going to hold space for 10,000 people to be doing what you're doing right now. I don't think that it's possible. Okay. I don't I don't know if it is or not, but I'm saying if you had 10,000 people right there and it was possible, compare 10,000 to 8 billion. It's nothing. Would it make a difference towards that 10% of the human population? No. No. 800 million, you're talking 800 million edge workers. So, so I appreciate your care or your, I think you're jacked into Gaia's wish for human beings to succeed, to manifest the level of consciousness that we're capable of. I think Gaia has pain about it. You may be feeling this pain. Mm -hmm. I feel it. I think and Chloe feels it. I don't know. Anyway, and Chloe, you're gonna say something. I appreciate having kind of unreasonable conversation that might uh, not lead to anything of magnitude that would actually make a difference. Because I really like hanging out with you guys and I really like having this conversation. And so I'm not expecting this conversation to have any kind of real life altering or humanity altering effect and but if it has it would be wonderful something like that and i and you know as this this is going to go public i i, I want to throw in a couple things that i've had discussion with other edge workers in terms of this conversation and for example one of them is edge workers who have a wish to divert money from Tax, tax money that would go, for example, into nuclear power 
weapon making, tank making, paying soldiers, um, subsidies to plow the land and kill trees to actually grow um, towards pharmaceutical, towards comp- you know, corporation at, in, in general. Tax money is going into, into corporation in general. And to divert that money to go into uh, supporting edge working projects, Gaia villages, eco villages, a permaculture project, ecosystem restoration project. And, and for example, John Dennis Louis, who created the ecosystem restoration camp, spent 20 years of his life at the highest level of uh, the UN to try to create any kind of change. 20 years. And there's nothing. There's been nothing. No change of this diversion of money into uh, any kind of project that would mean a brighter future for humanity. And so, because like you said, those hierarchical um, power structures are top heavy with a psychopath. You know, this is a design error of a, of a patri- patriarchal hierarchy and they have no intention of putting, you know, a, a, bright hu- a bright future for humanity on their agenda. And so, and then I, you know, I, I have this conversation with Ed Worker of being, of ha- thinking that this conversation about actually creating a mass a change on a massive scale has to do with money, and it's for me it's a ridic- it's a ridiculous conversation to think it's a lack of money that is stopping edge workers from creating a, a change at a massive scale. It has nothing to do with money because an, an adult edge worker can re- can source any of the resources that they need, money included, and so what we're really missing are adult edge workers and which I which I it's the same thing for me as a space holder for me we are missing space holders and you know you started making a list of what we don't have enough well we don't have enough of any of those no emotional healing process coach possibility coach rage club space holders fear club space holders game world builders village weaver evolutionary I mean the list the list just goes on and on and on and so in that regard and in terms of what my job is you know what what it what, what is my part in this is I'm a space holder trainer. I, I train space holders in, in, in such a very like general way that they can actually build any of their specialty, you know, archaeological specialty. And I, there's this list that Clinton and I build about opening territories for people, people with a particular specialty to move into. So uh, if I say it in a different way is, for example, there's such a territory called possibility mediation. There's a territory called possibility psychology. There's one called possibility parenting. There's possibility coaching. There's rage club, you know, there's rage club, there's fear club, there's sadness club, there's unmixing feeling, feelings practitioner. And, um, you know, archaeological music, archaeological theater or transformational theater or possibility organization. Like the list just, because, because everything Every dimension of modern culture needs to be reinvented. Every dim- and there's dimension of modern culture that dimensions that don't even exist in modern culture that need to be invented in archaeology. So it's not even just reinventing, it's also creating a whole new dimension. Mm-hmm. And the, the amount of people who have taken a stand for a specialty can be counted on the fingers of my hand. You know, and that includes basically, you know, you, Christine, and Clinton and and, and myself and a few other people. And there's this, and it's, so, okay. Okay, this is where I am. Because I can invent, I can come up, I can discover all these dimensions that needs to be reinvented. Who will in the, inhabit them? Who will unfold them? Who will discover them? Like Clinton said, it's not my job. My job is to have this, as you say, Christina, this meta conversation of this is what's possible. And, and I can even have this conversation of this is the step that you can take or that you would need to take for you to inhabit your specialty, you know, be who you are, like flame on, fly. I, I can do that. And I can't force them to go through the door. So the best thing that I have found is how many doors can I open for people to find in themselves to be, to be fired, to be that the space space holder part of the game can be ignited and the rest is up to them the rest is off it's off my my job 
Mm. Yeah. For me, it's for me, it's in the last years, I've had the same conversation in my head over and over and over, and also with every space holder I meet, I have this conversation where we just had the conversation with Jim Zarvos not long ago. It's on it's on tape. You should listen. I don't know if you heard that one. <clears throat> but it's the question is where are where are the where are uh, the adults? Where are the adults? Why why didn't Socrates or Aristotle or Plato or all those guys gen start upgrading human thoughtware and, and cause initiatory processes in, in, in an, as a tradition that would build up a, a you know civilization or anyway human presence on planet Earth that was regenerative instead of just like a vampire virus consuming and destroying. Okay, what what did those guys do for the last two thousand years to help do what we're talking about right now? And and so okay. Could it be possible that this little group of three people is the cutting edge of human consciousness on planet Earth right now? This is it. This little group of three people having this conversation. And, and there's not a thousand or ten thousand or a million people in this conversation right now. It's three people. What if that's what if that's true? What if that's it? What is that the culmination? I'm not saying the best or superior or the maximum or anything. I'm just saying out here in the domain of realizing that we're, you know, it's possible to become adult. It's possible to jack into archetypal resources. It's possible to deliver your, your non-material value. It's possible to organize human, human villages that are regenerative and interactive, collaborative in a network of a hundred million Gaia nations, Gaia villages around the world. It's possible to do that. And each each one taking responsibility for their part of the planet, you know, and, and making it thrive and having nothing to do with making a profit or owning yachts, whatever, whatever the thing is. And it's about having money in the bank. Like it's such an irrelevant consideration. It's two different worlds. One of them will survive and one won't. But what if this what if it's three people right now? And that's and, and we're the ones having the conversation on the earth. To me, it's not a reason to give up. Because it, it's happening. Conversation is happening. So who I talk with next, I have an emotional healing process. Was I supposed to have a call today? I don't know. <laughs> I think so. so. <laughs> <laughs> No, who I'm talking with next, Erica, is um, you know, okay, that's that's where it's happening. I don't I don't have any other kind of conversation than this. This is this is what Anne Chloe and I talk about over breakfast. We try to talk about the oats or you know things like how bad the orange juice here is in Vietnam, but it's like, <laughs> we, but it doesn't last very long. We're really it's only this conversation. So. It, you know, it's just hard for me to accept what I was describing, that, that out of all the college professors I ever met at the university, out of all the cool people I ever met at the eco-village conferences, out of all the handsome, holy tribal men, you know, uh, that I've ever met, like, oh, okay. out of all the edge workers and, lead, you know, space holders, that, that, that there's you know a handful on the entire planet. You know, each of us has had people who have built out spaces that we could occupy that have gone before us. So these are kind of our teachers, or these are our role models. These are the ones that we can model ourselves on. Well, all those guys that I modeled myself on, they're all dead. They've all, they've all got, got old and died, basically. There's a few old guys still around, you know, John Croft and other guys, you know, who I really love and cherish to be around and haven't, okay, there's a few of us haven't died yet, but okay, I cannot hide behind anybody anymore. Neither can you. It's us. It's our time. This is our time. Barbara Marks Hubbard is gone. You know, Irina Tweedy is gone. These, these people who, who we thought were at the cutting edge 
you know, or just to get old and die. And then, okay, oh my, okay, then who takes over? Well, it's our job. So this is what we're doing. This is what we do. So what are you going to do next? And that's your question, Christina. Oh. I hear you asking, what are you doing next? I mean, that's, I mean, I just want to emphasize that that is, you know, yes, we're having this conversation of being on, on the edge of, you know, of whatever consciousness. But the, the answer is, what's our next experiment? What, what are we trying next? And so I, I actually would like an answer. What about well, you? And Chloe has, has started thinking about having a possibility conference. Of and sort of calling together the edge worker possibility edge worker people to catalyze the further connections between communities of practice to exchange value and to share all the stuff we've been discovering about non-material value and you know gremlin reconstruction etc cetera, etc cetera, all these things we've figured out lately you know, decontaminating the adult ego state, like all these things that we've been figuring out and just have this, you know, a conference where people somehow get there and we all hang out for a while, you know, a month, something. Cool. I'm in to <laughs> co-create. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm, I'm really turned on also about bringing even I got the the great idea about shifting into a new model of eco villages that it's Gaia village and still there are thousands of eco villages out there and they are also already at the at the edge right they are edge workers as well and to to bring Taurus technology even more there and and not like mm, have the full shift into mm, PM or or like into a Gaia village, but also mm, support them building the bridge into into that or that people who are turned on in this village and have probably the pain of I wanted to have it even more radical to step out and say, okay, I trained myself to be in a, in a, in a community and how, how it work, but I want it differently. And then what also, um, the, the, the Danish guy is doing right. This like, he has the pain and now he starts to, to, to invent something new. And, and this is what turns me on to really, yeah, this is what what I I want to do, and while I'm traveling, I, I want to visit different kind of communities and support them. Um, that that is also one one focus, one next step. And I'm I'm super turned on by the idea of the conference, which online was somehow already um, in the in 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 the air, right? And then it did not happen. So mm -hmm. I would like to kickstart it again and support you with that i'm on your team thank you thank you clinton i'm on all the other experiment that i'm <laughs> well we i mean we're on this journey as as a, a nomadic bridge house and so you know is that what you intend also Christina, you'll be, is it just, are you going to be a couple traveling around the world? Or are you going to actually be a nomadic bridge house? That's a good question. I don't think that I can um, leave my bridge house builder identity behind. So I'm where I am. I'm, I'm a bridge house. So <laughs> it's imprinted in my, in my surrounding and me and, I'm uh, evaporating, is this the right word? Evaporating into this space. So um, I would say, yes, I'm, I'm a bridge, I'm a traveling bridge house. <laughs> so then you have your own nationality. I think so. This is on the list to find out the nationality. Well, yeah, well you just take, 
you take it, you create, you cavitate the space, right? And, and hold this space for your nationality. And even though you stand in line at some airport and hand somebody some kind of passport that they are accustomed to seeing, you know that your nationality is from your bridge house. And so you interact with people using the coin of the realm for them. You know, to get through that gateway, you need to use a passport. So that's what it is. You get through the path to get through the airport, and then you and you. But you didn't change your culture at all. You did not shift identity. You did not pretend like you're not actually Swiss or German or whatever your passport is. You know, and so you're actually you know this this thing you have. This is what you are, and this is your in your arch. And so you and you're at least you know. Jesus was reported to have said that wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there is the field. You know, there is the there is the, the nano niche. I don't think he invented the word nano niche yet, but so uh, to me, it's, it usually requires three because two people is kind of a couple, and and so so I don't know who you're traveling with or whatever is traveling what you're traveling as, but somehow I, I always kind of imagine there's somebody else, there's other people hanging around me and Aunt Chloe, like you, for example, right now, we're together in the three of us, and here we are, and here we have, it, three is enough to call for the force into the morphogenetic field that it exists. Okay, is it 99% uh, is it of the population? Uh, not yet, you know, not that I know of. Not when I look out over the wall and look at the Vietnamese people or wherever I am. So, but, and it still exists as a possibility. And it's a real thing. It really exists. So when you're traveling, if you, if you keep that as the space that you're in, then it's less depressing to realize how you're outweighed by numbers with the, populations that you're traveling through. And then whoever listens to you, you know, whoever you can speak to and you can call forth their capacity to be more of a space holder for something different and, and, and actually calling forth their ability to call forth that in other people. This is how, this is the best I know. Yeah, thank you for opening again also the the possibility to travel not only two like there, there will be definitely a phase where we are three it's already opened up and i'm also like believing or i i i'm tapping into this unknown resource where when she would go kind of back home wherever this is then someone else will will also enter the space again because there is already then a place with us so let's see who uh, who echo will align with us <laughs> traveling yeah and chloe you're gonna say something yeah in terms of this critic um creating critical connection between communities of practices i want to really emphasize that the point is not to make everything possibility management because then we would lose everybody else doing other experiments than we are that could f feed back into possibility management and feed possibility management. And so we, the diversity is so important to, because we're doing very different experiments. And even if we have a similar wish or vision or context, it is still the experiments are different. And so this, this creating a uh, critical connection, I think really, happens with creating kind of this these two things but one is to ask vacuum questions and to say you know how do you deal with um with hierarchical power structures like what's your answer to create something else because okay you have Taurus technology you know christina you're using Taurus technology and 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 you can ask question okay well how do you face into emotional reactivity then when you have a circle how do you face into gremlin how do you face face into child ego state contamination of the adult ego state. And when you have all these questions, it wakes up 
this question in the other person. And that is already an exchange of value. It's immense territory to open and you're not trying to change them, but you're trying to also put them on the ground, like being, hey, there's, you know, in reality, all of this is happening. This all, this is all hindering our ability to, you know, work in a circle and, and use tourist, whatever, use circle as a, as a meeting technology. Mm-hmm. And, and if you use those open, yeah. those vacuum questions, you never know what people will come up with. Cause usually mm-hmm. people are, have been thinking about it, but nobody ever asks them. Mm-hmm. If you can ask them, it's great to really listen to what they say. And something else that I notice we're pretty skilled at in terms of possibilitator is to be this listening space through which more of their archetypal lineage can come through Mm. and more of their work can come through. And that is also immense Mm -hmm. value to be this completely asking, you know, sharp, dangerous, real question in me, I really want to know. Mm-hmm. And, and mostly people after talking with us, they're like, God, I'm, I, I didn't even know about this. Like I never talked about this. I never said it in this way. Oh no, it's so clear. And, and you know, you were talking about having this, um, this meta conversation of this exchange between um, uh, context, let's say. And, you know, one of the solution for that is networking. And, and I, I, have, I have questions about, this network, which is, you know, oh, tell me how to plant, you know, vegetables or, uh, you know, how do I build a house or how do I build a composting toilet? And it's great, you know, and at the same time, somebody who's planting vegetables in Poland cannot give any kind of instruction for somebody who's planting vegetables in South of Spain, you know, and to have that, to think that the pure exchange of information creates a community, you know, a, a real exchange, I think it's um, so limiting. The, the exchange of information is such a small amount of what value we can provide for each other. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about a whole other level of value, which is you know, calling forth somebody's um, clarity, calling forth some, uh, discover, a discovery space, being on the edge of consciousness mm-hmm. together. Their okay, potential. well that's, yeah, potential, calling forth the potential. And that is, a, that is really a value that possibilitators can provide way beyond so, exchange of information. Yeah, so I'll just, yeah. uh, let me just make this distinction between a network is the exchange of connections or information, but a mesh work is where this exchange of value happens. So it's the, like you work. said, there's a mesh work mm-hmm. and you know, it's like a, a tighter, it's, it's more, more it has more... Yeah, no, but it's just this, it's just a different, it's a distinction that distinguishes between a network and the thing that exchanges real value, which is a mesh work. Cool. Yeah, and what, what I hear is also like, we are definitely not dependent on the circumstances. It's like, we're, we can pull it, pull it out everywhere. <laughs> And not depending on nationality, um, circumstances, countries, weather, whatever. Uh, yeah. Cool. Even language. I mean, language. I, there's, a, there's this amazing story from a trainer, Michael Hollinger, who went to Australia. And who, he didn't really speak really good English when he went there. And he, he was going around with a shaman. Actually, I think it was Tyson Yungaporta who wrote really this amazing book. Which I don't remember the name, but this guy is he's um, he's a yeah centaur and he's a he's Aboriginal and at the same time speaking English with an Australian accent. So Michael Hanninger was trying to follow what he was saying for the first hour and started having this headache. And after that, he said, "Forget trying to understand the words that he's talking about, but I can walk with him and have the information being downloaded into my being." Mm-hmm. And so we even you know uh, that that kind of you know connection uh, is even beyond beyond language mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. yeah i had a similar experience in india when i was for one month with a it, he's got guru kal he's like the bone medicine shaman of the city and i trained like with him and and his english was also not really best but <laughs> we 
I, I could understand on a different level. It's, it's, yeah, my being, my energetic body, my emotional body, everything, my archetypal body was, was fed by being, being with this guy. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And I'm, I look forward to exactly meet these kind of people on the travel. I think this is happen happening when, when people are traveling, then this is happen. Echo brings brings the right people just to be in front of give you a hint we we had a this many cards when we started this summer a thousand cards or something and we're gone we've given them all away so i have like five in my little pocket and and so we just litter these cards around and we meet people whoever the meeting who can talk who's interested who's bright who's asking we just hand them a card get them into the game world of the game and they start feeding themselves and so we just so I would encourage you to do that also. Make sure you have tons of cards to pass out. I will have definitely. Yeah, it's on on my list to pack. My packing list. Great. Cool. <laughs> Minding the time. I like I I thank you both for having this a live conversation and very important conversation for me. Thank you for bringing everything what you brought in and enjoy your day whatever you do <laughs> if we want to if you choose to <laughs> yes <laughs> thank you thank you christina okay. thanks christina mm -hmm.